Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. And here we go. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, May 25th, the Memorial Day weekend. If you're traveling, uh, please travel safe. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Maybe you're driving through and you're new to Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, and David J. Spano. How do you explain Annex Wealth Management? How do we explain it? Well, I have to tell you, this whole idea of being a fiduciary is, you know, we, you know, we have gotten a lot of attention here locally, and it is because of the fact that we are a fiduciary. And what does that mean? And that means that we have to act in the best interest of our clients. We put that in writing. You know, when people come in and they're uh, vetting us against other investment folk, uh, we ask them to do that. If you're going to go back, have them put that in writing because we do it. And unfortunately, Mark, most people can't do that. Is it like holding a cross up to a vampire sometimes? Well, I, I think it is for some people because that the F word is really tough for some people because they don't like to and use... You're on the radio, so the okay, FCC, right. be careful That's with the F words that you use. You know, I like free and food, but be careful. In, in this case, we're talking about fiduciary. And for a lot of people who are sales people they don't like that word because they like to play both sides of it. They like to say, yeah, I'm going to act in your best interest, but I'm not willing to be a fiduciary to you to have that legal obligation to act in your best interest at all times. That's tough for people who are selling product, proprietary product or any other product to you to claim to be that fiduciary. So putting that up to people and saying, I want you to act in my best interest at all times, and I want you to put that in writing, that's going to scare off a lot of people in our business. So if you're new to the show, welcome. In the next hour, you're going to hear a lot about us. We're going to talk a little bit more about the market, but also some great team segments because we're built on a team concept. Tom Parks, our Director of Retirement Plan Services, talking about 401ks for small businesses, why that's important. Also, budgeting and retirement, how that works. Uh, we've got a team segment for that. That's all coming up today on Money Talk. You know, let's, uh, let's stay on the financial planning topic. We talk about when people are putting portfolios together in exactly what you, what, uh, you just brought up, Mark. We saw that again this week. Somebody was uh, shopping, if the, if you will, and they came in here from a very well-respected bank uh, here in town, and we looked at it, and it was chuck full of their own mutual funds, and uh, that just doesn't change. Well, and, and the, the interesting thing is, for a com- from a consumer standpoint, is sometimes you don't even know that that's happening. It used to be that the big in banks or the big insurance companies, they put their name on the mutual fund at least. Now you don't really know until you really look into it, where you look at the company that is underwriting the mutual fund, they often have a different branded name than the company that manufactured that mutual fund. So asking about proprietary products, it's a great question to ask. Where did this mutual fund come from? Who manages it? Where are they located? How do they get paid? What's their expense ratio? What's your relationship to them? Are you getting shelf space for them? And by that, I mean, do they pay you to be on their preferred list? You look at some companies that are out there that are getting millions of dollars every year from companies just 
just to be on their shelf space, to go to their conferences, to have access to their salespeople, because it's lucrative for everybody. And who pays it? The consumer pays it in terms of 12B1 fees, higher expense charges, higher distribution charges. These are all questions that have to be asked. You want to work with an independent fiduciary fee-only advisor, somebody who is not motivated by commissions. We are a fee-only advisor, and that means the only way that we get paid is by the services that we provide for our clients as a fiduciary. That's a huge difference in our business, and it's a great question to ask. One of the meetings that I was in this week, this was a well-heeled, sophisticated person who says, that's just the way it is. And I said, no, sir, that is not the way it is. There are certainly advisors out there that do not pay to play. They don't have to pay for the products on the same space because you are paying a fee, and then they are also getting some mutual fund fees as well. So you need to look at these things, Mark. There's ways for us to find that out, and how do we do that? Portfolio review. I mean, one of the smartest guys I've ever known in my life was my dad, and he owned B shares in his mutual funds, and he didn't know that they carried that back-end CDSC, Contingent Deferred Sales Charge, or that he was paying a higher 12B1 fee because he never had his mutual funds examined. And it wasn't until I talked to him and said, Dad, you're paying more than you have to for these mutual funds. And that started a lot of different things in my philosophy about how we address things as a fiduciary by saying this free portfolio review, you can have a professional, a fiduciary that is going to look at your portfolio and say, this is what you own. Why do you own it? What's its cost structure? What does it actually cost of ownership look like for you? And what place does it take in your financial plan? And that exercise is extremely healthy, and it's a great way to get some peace of mind as your portfolio moves forward. You know, Mark and I, Danny, have been doing this for, as you know, uh, two decades, 20 years, and the, the theme has not changed. Know what you own, know why you own it, know why it fits into your portfolio, and if you don't, we will give you this free portfolio review. It's a deliverable we give to everyone who walks through the door. For sure, and uh, you can do that today. You can start it this weekend. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. First thing you'll see is, well, a good-looking retired couple, but then also it says, knows the difference, and then there's a small button that says, get started. You click that, you fill out some information, and we'll get the process going. Again, it's AnnexWealth.com. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, website AnnexWealth.com. Thanks for uh, joining us. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsker, Chief Investment Officer, and Dave Spano. I kind of bumped us off kind of doing the introduction, figuring that there might be people driving through town. I wanted to kind of explain a little bit about, about Annex Wealth Management, but we always, in the first part of the show, talk about the week. Yeah, the week in review, and of course, a bumpy ride again, and it does continue to revolve around what started as a trade skirmish and is it going to escalate? We'll have to find out. Let's start with really what's happening uh, on th- from 30,000 feet, Derek. What is happening and what, where is this trade skirmish coming from? Well, right now the trade talks seem to have stalled. I mean, I saw Mnuchin um, talking about uh, going to China and reigniting uh, these conversations. But there's been a lot, you know, a lot of headlines. You know, the U.S. talking about retaliating by barring U.S. companies from supplying Huawei, the the, the large Chinese telecom equipment provider. That, of course, would negatively impact earnings for the semiconductor sector. So stocks are just kind of meandering in a period of uncertainty where valuations are, are reasonable. But the second half growth story that we've, you know, I think the market's been 
betting on that we'd see a reacceleration of growth in the second half, not just in the U.S., but globally. That becomes increasingly in doubt. And we did have an 18% run at one point uh, this year in the S&P 500, and we've basically given back a third of it. Mark, let's uh, give our listeners a primer about exactly what's happening. It's not just about maybe getting a better trade deal, but it might be deeper than that. Well, I think it is, and I think the conversation has been long time coming, and that is what happens when you get into the world's second largest economy. You look at the world economy in terms of the U.S., China, Japan, and Germany, and the rest of Europe, and those are the big economies in the world. And when you start thinking about taking U.S. products and getting into a country of 1.2 or 1.3 billion people, you think about opening the markets to people, whether you're Procter & Gamble or whether you're Apple, you're getting into a huge population base. So what's been happening, though, has been when a company has a technology edge, and we lead the world in technology, like it or not, when you have a huge technology edge and you take it into a foreign country that then makes you open up the box and show everything that you've designed and everything that you've put into design and everything you've put into intellectual property, and you have to give it to that government, and that government then turns around and gives it to a competitor that's domiciled in their own country, and they say, well, we can make this cheaper and we're going to compete against you, that's unfair. So now we have what's the trade war part is, all right, we say we're not going to allow chip makers and the like to to sell to Huawei. And then now they respond. And that's the war part, Derek. And now they're saying, okay, okay, that's how you want to play. Then this is what we're going to do to Apple. You know, I guess I look at this kind of cynically. You know, it, it seems to me, you know, from what I've read, that the Chinese may never have wanted to do a trade deal in the first place. They may have just been do, doing the slow walk, getting close to November 2020, where perhaps they'll be able to negotiate with someone who's perhaps not as strong on this issue as the current president and the and the Republican Senate. So basically, you know, when we're talking about the Chinese retaliating, they could certainly say to their citizens, let's, let's no longer purchase Apple products, in which case Goldman Sachs estimated that Apple's earnings would go down about 30% on a year-over-year basis. And so what does that do? Now, you're talking about Apple, a very large capitalized company, one, two, or three, somewhere on the list. And what does that do now to the rest of the of the Dow Jones and the S&P? That's the concern. Right. It would have knockdown effects on Apple suppliers and the like. And, you know, for example, Qualcomm, you know, which is, is a key component of any kind of 5G deployment, and if they decide they're not going to, they're going to curb their ability to sell in China. 60% of Qualcomm's revenues are generated in China. But the other thing to pay attention to, too, is on the trade thing, yes, we import $480 billion from China. They import $120 billion from us. So the president's right when he says they have more to lose on that. But the other side of the coin is there are much larger revenues generated by U.S. companies in China than Chinese companies in the U.S. So it's not really quite as, as clean, as he likes to say. So I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by it a little bit. I realize that the Chinese are not going to be bowed down. They, they like to save face and the like. It's a tough negotiation. I kind of wish it was more behind closed doors than, than in the press and through tweets, Mark. But, you know, we deal with uncertainty all the time. Markets don't like uncertainty. So we're correct. We're giving back some of the gains from earlier in the year. And that's just it. So now you talk about President Trump having a voice and President Xi having a voice, who's, who obviously uh, is running China. But maybe the biggest voice of all will be Mr. Market. And if Mr. Market starts to retreat and we start to see a, a potential problem, that may be, get everyone's attention. It may, it may, guys. But, you know, the other thing about this is we had a strong GDP number. We had a 3.2% growth in the economy earlier this year. And you start thinking about what does this trade war have an impact on that economy? Are we going to get to recession? I think that's the fear is could this lead to a recession in the U.S.? When you start thinking about a trade war, maybe taking a half a percentage point off of that, you're still growing as an economy 
economy, and that means you're not going to have a recession. 1022, we'll uh, hit the pause button there. Still more to come. want to remind you, next Thursday is uh, another presentation, especially if you're going north, going to the family cottage. This one is called Saving the Family Cottage. Happens at our Elm Grove location at 6 o'clock. If you have one that's in the family, you want it to stay in the family, there are definitely steps you should take. And again, that is uh, next Thursday at our Elm Grove location. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Look in the upper right corner for the events tab. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment. There's a lot of talk about workplace savings programs for employees. But what happens when you run a small business with only a few employees and don't have equal access to retirement plans like the big companies do? Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management, watching this closely. Indeed we are. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. All right. I guess you got to set the stage. This thing's back in the news. Yeah, so this is a, an issue that's been talked about for quite some time, where you look at, there's a big challenge, obviously, in our country of you know insufficient savings on behalf of American workers. And most people today, when they think of retirement savings, they think 401k plan. And that's something that you get from your employer. Well, there are a lot of employers that do not offer a 401k plan. Because mostly, what would, what would that reason be? There are some hurdles that get in the way. Running a 401k plan involves an administrative burden. We try to make life as easy as possible for our clients, and I think we do a good job of that. But I always tell our clients as well, hey, it's going to take some effort on your part. And that's one of the things I think that scares some smaller employers away. So there's the the idea of an administrative burden. There are some costs there, not as efficient on the small side of the scale as it is for a bigger company to run a 401k plan. So those are some of the challenges that get in the way. And for sure. And there's a lot of places that might employ three, four people. That's a small business, but you've got employees and they should have retirement savings. You right. Know, if not with their employer, they certainly should be doing it on the outside. But this is something that would open it up for everybody, small employers. Yeah, right. So, I mean, this what we're looking at here, we're talking about some legislation that's being considered in the House and in the Senate. So the House is looking at the SECURE Act. I love how they name these things, right? And then the one in the, um, in the Senate is called uh, RESA. So the two they're expected to kind of meld together at some point and become legislation. And the cool thing is it's bipartisan. And this is one, I actually saw an article that said, you know, could the retirement plan world save American politics or something? That might be going a little too far. You know, it's funny because you, you know, Senate Finance Committee Chair uh, Chuck Grassley, he's a Republican, and an Oregon Democrat, Ron Wyden, they're actually working together on this. Is it RISA? That's what that is? Right, yeah. yeah. So that's the one that they're working on. And even in the House, that they, the House passed a rule, and that was on strict party lines. But even with that, the rule was to just start allowing for debate and things like that. And they're anticipating that once this goes to the House floor, it will get bipartisan support and that it will pass, which is really exciting. And there's a lot of detail in here that we're not going to get into. It's, It's kind of boring. But the basic point is, if you're a small employer and you want to get over some of those barriers that might have kept you from offering a 401k plan in the past, it looks like the people in Washington are making a genuine effort to help you with that. Well, and how many times have we talked about the fact that really engaged employees, employees with good benefits, they're the ones that you don't have to worry about them leaving. And there's such a a shootout right now for talent. So I got to figure if I'm running a place and I've got three employees, I want to keep them as happy as I can. 
There's no question about that. I mean, that's what we were talking about at our wellness event that we did at the Discovery World. Um, We had a lot of great discussion among local employers about the different things that you can do to help retain, attract people. And compensation now is the thing that people focus on more than pay. And this is both on the employer and in the employee side. People do understand that there's more to a job than a paycheck. So what benefits am I getting? What is the culture like at the firm that I'm going to be at? What sort of retirement health, things like that, and the pay, obviously all of those come together. But you have people who do understand it might be worth taking a dollar or two less per hour if they're going to get these other things. And I think when we talk about retirement saving in particular, one of the things I always talk about with people is we say, you know, throughout the nearly 20 years that I've been doing this, talk to people, hey, you want to save some money for retirement? And they'll say, but I can't afford to. People in our industry say, you can't afford not to. It's a very frustrating conversation. Well, what we're doing now is we're moving into the direction of saying, okay, why can't you afford to? How can we help you get to that. The nice thing about this legislation that we're talking about is it's going to open that up to a lot more groups of people. We'll be able to have those conversations with. So I'm really excited about this. So if you're listening to this and you are a small business owner, Tom and his team can help. Absolutely. And you know what? You can help too. I called my congressman earlier this week and I said, hey, this is coming down the pike. I want you to support it. It's not a perfect bill, but you know, whenever is there a perfect bill, call your congressperson, call your senator and tell them that you want to support this. Well, inform yourself on it first. Maybe you disagree with it or something. I think it's a pretty good, you know, it's definitely moving us in the right direction, I would say. Great. You mentioned it earlier, but congratulations. You put a great event on this past Tuesday. That was a lot of fun. So we did Defining Wellness. We did a, a joint venture with the Star Group. So when we're talking about wellness overall, most people think step challenge, stuff like that, right? Well, we're trying to help people understand that financial wellness and health wellness are very much integrated with one another. People who are financially stressed, if there are so many statistics that show you are unhealthy physically and vice versa. So um, it was a great event. We're very excited. We're going to for sure do another one uh, based on the, the feedback that we got. So you know, keep your eyes open in the fall. I'm sure we'll be doing it again. Excellent. If you need help with retirement plan services, we've got a team in place. Tom Parks heads it up. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. If you are interested in anything that Annex does, uh, first stop should be our website, AnnexWealth.com. You'll see that Get Started button. It's a simple process. You click it. We get some contact information from you. I think the most important thing that we do is right at the end, we say, tell us a little bit about yourself because it's a personal relationship when you're acting with a fiduciary that you can trust. Team Tech Trust at Annex. Again, AnnexWealth.com. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, May 25th, Memorial Day weekend. If you're driving through, thank you for spending some time with us. Team Tech Trust is how Annex Wealth is built. You can start at AnnexWealth.com, get that free portfolio analysis. Just click that Get Started button. And by the way, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but quite proud to announce that we are a 2019 top workplace for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Great atmosphere. You'll feel it when you're here. In fact, I think it was on uh, Thursday, we had client meetings. And for the first time, I saw little kids in the meeting. And it was great. I don't know if you saw that, but it was just really good to see families doing planning. Well, you know, and they were actually running the meeting. They weren't working here, <laughs> yeah, were they? they? Working. Well, yeah, yeah. it is child labor laws uh, don't affect uh, Annex Wealth Management. It's time for Ask Annex. And if you have a question for Ask Annex, you can submit that at AnnexWealth.com. Just look for the Ask button. But our Vanna White is um, is Dave Spano. Oh, Dave, thank you. You're I, set am, him up. I am no Vanna. But, you know, we, get, we had a question that was uh, sent in this week from Phil saying, Given the current volatility, is it possible to invest 
too conservatively? And I thought that was an interesting question because, you know, it really is maybe a mistake that people do, Mark, is they go, I'm going to try to either time the market or I'm going to go to cash. And there's so much that goes into that. Well, there is. And especially this time of year when people are sometimes hearing sell in May and go away, you know, the idea of going to cash and being too conservative. For us, when we look at financial planning, we look at goals-based planning and trying to say, what kind of rate of return do I need to have to stay ahead of inflation and to get to my goals? People who are trying to sometimes time the market and, and hit home runs and then be in cash for a while, that's a difficult proposition because, as we always say, you have to be right twice. You have to get out of the market on the right day, and you have to get back in the market on the right day. And that's a really difficult proposition for most people. So we always talk about time in the market versus timing the market. And you can run into that of trying to be too smart, and you outsmart yourself. You start to ruin your financial plan by being too conservative. I think there's sort of a, a fundamental distinction between what is a market timer and what is a risk manager. I mean, when we do a free portfolio review, we take a look at a client's current holding and assess their risk levels. And many times their risk levels are different from what they actually think they are. So, you know, when we talk about managing risk, we're talking about gradually adjusting our allocations based on warning signs that we see or valuation concerns we have about segments of the market. Most advisors, in my mind, are buy and hold investors, which basically means that you know, no matter what, they're just going to buy and hold, and whether stocks go up or stocks go down, and what the relative valuations are between asset classes, they don't care. That's fine for an investor who's in their 20s and 30s. But when you're near retirement, the last thing you want to do is ride through a bear market like we saw in 2008, because you need the money now. You don't want to sell the stocks in a hole down 25%, 30% from their highs. So when I think about being a portfolio manager, my number one goal is risk management, not making money. It's more about managing risk and downside volatility. You know, and Mark, the reason why our conference rooms are full across all of our branches every day is because everyone is different. It would be different if I could just write a paper and send it out to everybody and think about it in a vacuum, but it doesn't work that way. Everyone's health history is different. Your age is different. Your financial circumstances are different. And you have to put all those down. And of course, your experiences on how you handle risk. And I would submit to you that once you have a risk profile that isn't your risk profile for life, when you start to think about where you're at, the station you're at in life, and given the backdrop of what's going on around the world, you might want to look at your risk again and say, I'm 10 years older, or I look at things differently, or my job is more tenuous than it was before, or retirement is approaching, and your risk profile changes. So for a 30-year-old that goes out and scores as a growth investor, that doesn't mean you're always a growth investor. Maybe at some point in time, you want to be a little bit more conservative, but Derek, to your point, that doesn't mean it's binary where you're in the market or out of the market. You're being more tactical, and that doesn't make you a market timer. That makes you just somebody who is sensitive and aware of their own risk profile. Right. So for us, a moderate portfolio could have anywhere from a roughly a 70% allocation to equities down to about 40%. And, and that does swing based on our assessment of, of future expected returns, the correlation of the various equity asset classes that are in the portfolio and the like. When I meet a set it and forget it person, I just shake my head. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. That's a good one. That's Ask Annex called Can You Time the Market? If you're looking for that, maybe it came in halfway through and you want to hear the whole segment, just go to our YouTube channel. So go to AnnexWealth.com. In the upper left, you'll be able to click into the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. That is a free subscription, highly searchable, 
all sorts of topics, good stuff. Again, AnnexWealth.com and look for our YouTube channel. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust at Annex Wealth Management. Budgeting means freedom for some, but for others, it can make the skin crawl. So joining us to build the case for solid everyday budgeting discipline now and the importance of it in retirement two of our team members, Randy Winkler, Manager Financial Planning, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Randy. Hey, Danny. This is going to be your kind of a segment. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management as well. But you've got some budgeting background, too. You used to teach it. I did. That's true. Deanne, has Randy ever shared his deep and unabiding love for budgeting or what he does for his system? (laughs) Yes. Pretty close and up there with his new wife, I would say. No, that's why he's (laughs) such a great partner in this area. So we both, both Randy and I, fervently believe in super planning, we like to call it, to include expenses that are divided into needs, like your living expenses and your wants, all that fun stuff. And dividing those out is really important. So, Randy, this is what you do on a Saturday morning. It's very much fun for me to uh, sit down with my budget and take a look at uh, how I'm going to put my dollars to work. All right, folks, let's talk budgeting and especially budgeting in retirement. So, Deanne, you meet with plenty of clients. I'm going to guess they all handle budgeting differently, right? If they do it at all. Well, that's very true, Danny. So to some people, the B word budgeting is a dirty word, right? Maybe they have gone their whole lives with enough income. They've never had to think about separating out their expenditures. They've never worried about it. I can tell you that personally, I worry about cash flows and the impact on my own future in retirement. So before I personally do any large purchase, like a house or a car or a lifestyle change, for example, I run a comprehensive cash flow right here at Annex with our financial planners here, and I run the flow of my own spending to see how it impacts my own future. Whenever we go through a transition, so whether it's you know, the three big D's, death, divorce, or disability, it impacts our cash flow. And it's really important that we take a step back, breathe, and have our arms around where we really spend. So what you do with yourself is what you do with our clients, right? Absolutely. Okay. So Randy, what makes you feel so strongly about budgeting besides it's just beautiful order? Well, I heard a saying years ago that failing to plan is planning to fail. This is a saying that I heard years ago, and it really struck me. And I noticed through experience in the industry and personal, if you don't give each dollar a job, they just wander off. You've got to assign them a mission and hold them to it. Um, Otherwise, they are like little soldiers that don't have a war to fight. So Deanne, if people don't understand where their money goes when they're working, and you kind of talked about that, that there's some people that they, they don't really need the budget. They probably should, but they don't. They could be in for a surprise when retirement rolls around. So here's the thing that we find, and I'm sure, Randy, you see this too. People tend to throw a lot into this big amorphous category that they call miscellaneous. Oh, I've got one of those. Right? Oh, <laughs> no. Eh, thanks for playing. Okay. No, I hate those miscellaneous categories. I once sat down with somebody who had 20% of their expenditures in in that category. It turned out it was for her pets, a very valid and can be expensive category should be separate out for your pets. In this case, it was her two cats. I didn't know you could spend that much on cats, but that's aside. Um, it is important to take a look at the little things that add up in retirement. Also, like people have hobbies, they go back 
too, for example. So maybe they're stopping a full-time job in retirement, but they've always loved crafts and wood cutting. You know, there's an expense associated with that. I liken it to also some of the daily expenditures that we take for granted when we are working like, you're going to love this one, Danny's Starbucks. Mm. So, you know, I run through that. That mobile ordering is so easy. I go and I spend my $5.25 at Starbucks to get my flat white, you know, with soy. That adds up. So over the course of 525 daily, if I get that every workday, it would add up to roughly $1,365 annually. That is not chump change. And so when I go back and break that out, and by the way, I could definitely get the coffee beans from Starbucks and grind my own for less than half of that if I was had to cut expenses, right? And that's some of the things that we look at. I mean, sometimes we're faced with choices in retirement on what we want to spend our extra cash on. And there are almost always more creative ways to save. But first, you have to understand what you're actually spending. Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Randy Winkler is also here. He's Manager of Financial Planning and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Randy, our clients with the solid financial plans from Annex, they know what their income level is going to be in retirement. Is it as simple as just not overspending that? Uh, not quite. So it, the expense number is the most important number in the entire financial plan, and it needs to be accurate, and you need to go through the budgeting exercise to get to that number. But just having that number just shows you what you can spend, what's sustainable. The best way to do it is where it gets a little bit more interesting. Where do you take the money from? What's the distribution plan? So when you factor taxes in, just for example, if you take everything out of your IRA, you're paying income tax rates. If you take everything out of your uh, bank account, you may be paying no taxes whatsoever. Most likely it'll be somewhere in between. And there's a very smart way to do that where you're going to pay less in taxes, but have your expenses covered just the same. And that's what a great financial plan from Annex Wealth Management does. Deanne, the Annex Women, Wealth, and Wisdom Group. You guys are at it again, and there's a great workshop coming up that can help with this issue. You know, Danny, we are at that Wealth and Wisdom Group Empowering Conversations for Women every single month. So we're back at our Elm Grove uh, location on Tuesday, June the 11th. Our Women, Wealth, and Wisdom Group is holding a workshop. It's our monthly workshop for women, always free, bring a friend, open discussions where we learn from each other. On June 11th, it's on budgeting in retirement, an interactive workshop. We encourage people to bring their personal spending records. We're going to go through our personal budget, create a plan to track our spending, either leading up to or in retirement. We're going to touch on different budget tracking best practices, debt organizers, and really understanding how to categorize discretionary versus necessary expenditures so that we can really create smooth spending sailing in retirement. And here we are on the 25th, so June 11th is closer than we think. It is. It's coming up just like our retirements might be. They're always in the evening. It runs from 6 to 8 on Tuesday, June 11th. So if you want to join us, you can call us at 262-786-6363, and we can sign you up. Or go to our website, AnnexWealth.com, under the Events tab. But be sure you do sign up, because these fill up fast. Randy Winkler, Manager Financial Planning and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Randy, thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. Deanne, thank you. Thanks for having me.
That's one of the many events that we do at Annex Wealth Management. Uh, if you want to go and check out what we've got, just go to AnnexWealth.com, click that Events tab. Uh, somebody texted in and said, what are the details on this family cottage thing? And again, that's on the 30th, so that is next week. It's called Saving the Family Cottage. If you have a family cottage or cabin or a lake home or whatever it is, and you want to keep it in the family, there are lots of ways to properly hand it from generation to generation. It can't be happenstance. You need a plan at Saving the Family Cottage. Details at Annex Wealth. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Tech Trust, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, Downtown at the Fister, and Annex Everywhere. Go to AnnexWealth.com, get that free portfolio analysis. I'm Danny Clayton. It is Saturday. It's May 25th, Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for spending some time with us. Mark Oswald here, Derek Felsky, and Dave Spano. You know, there's no other experience uh, like having the feet on the ground of getting to talk to individual investors on a daily basis. And throughout our uh, five branches, we get to do that. And the experiences that I get out of it are actually, I, it's the most enjoyable part of the job, no question, is dealing with the folks. Uh, you know, some things that I see continue to dismay me, you know, and falling for investment pitches that are just too good to be true, Mark, continue to happen, and it happens all across the spectrum in the investing world. And unfortunately, we see that, and unfortunately, that happens in this industry. So I think people need to have their antennas up of falling for something that is too good to be true. And certainly, you start thinking about the most vulnerable people tend to be the people that have the money, and sometimes that's the most senior people in our society. And you start thinking about those people and the fact that they get preyed on from time to time. You're talking about seniors. For sure. And you start thinking about who's really making decisions for them and who's pitching them products. So we looked at a case this week, Dave, that was filed in a court and it's going to, I think it's going to take class action status and it's against one of the largest banks out there and they've created a product. And brokerage firm. It's a bank and broker. It's it's called a bank, but it's a brokerage firm. For sure. And they created a product called a yield enhancement strategy. Now that sounds pretty good. Yield enhancement strategy. I want that. Yeah. And, Why and, not? And wait for it. The acronym is YES. <laughs> so, you know, when you start getting to that point, you, you, you're creating a product that was derivative-driven. It's it's really complex, but it was designed to have a put-call strategy of straddling the market and, and all this kind of stuff that but most right people there. just don't understand. Okay, but that right there, just eliminated 90% of investors, put-call strategy. I mean, I mean, Derek, honestly, who, I mean, who, you're going to put a senior into this product? That's a collar, I'm guessing? It is. And, yeah. that, that's, and that's what they're doing inside of a, a package product. Well, and, you know, and typically they base their case on historic results, optimized results and the like. I've always said that if the perspective is more than an inch thick, I want no part of it. And Mark, and you know, you know, you go through this kind of stuff all the time. We've had any number of, of new clients come from other places like you're referring to that, that were loaded up in these sort of things, which tend to be illiquid. They have surrender charges. They have all sorts of fees attached to them. And generally, they're mediocre. This is the same bank and brokerage firm that came out with structured notes a few years ago. And again, the title sounds pretty good. Structured notes sounds pretty good to me. And they turn out to be these derivative things that in that case was collateralized mortgage obligations that you were actually investing in. It's asking questions because this is a trust-based business. And when people put their money with a firm like Annex Wealth Management or a big brokerage firm or a big bank, it is a trust-based relationship. And you have to ask questions before you get into these investments. Don't 
don't get sold on the sizzle of the product because you're getting sold something where you got, you know, you put four investment bankers in the room and you say, come up with a product and they're going to come up with something that is going to be exotic, but it's going to be something that they can sell to people. And again, sometimes it's senior citizens that aren't very well protected and not very well informed about the investments that they're getting into. So you look at it and you know, I uh, apply KISS, uh, keep it simple, Dave. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, you you put those in together and say, all right, how is the portfolio constructed? How much am I paying? I can't tell you how many times we ask an investor how much they're paying, and they do not know. And so, you know, what is your relationship? Is it a fiduciary relationship? How much are you paying? How much are the products cost? And most people don't know that, but they can find out. Then it doesn't make you unique. I mean, if you think about your own portfolio right now and you're asking yourself that question on Saturday morning, hey, I wonder how much I'm paying. If you don't know, you're like most people, but you can do that free portfolio review. It's one of the things that we look at is how much are you paying for your investments? There is active management where sometimes it makes sense to pay an active manager in certain types of investments, and there's passive strategies where we can mimic an index. They're lower cost. Controlling costs, controlling taxes are two of the ways that you enhance your return on investment because you're not paying more than you have to. So when you start thinking about a free portfolio review, it's about knowing what you own and how much you're paying for each one of those investments. People need to understand what that is. It's free. We believe in it. If you have not taken advantage of that, we encourage you to go to our website, get yourself signed up for that free portfolio review. There's no obligation, and you get to know what you own and why you own it and how much it costs. Amen to that. Uh, That's Mark Oswald, Dave uh, Spano, and then uh, Derek Felsky. That's it for Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. It's 1059. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in a week. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee. LLC.